0: Thank you for tuning into the Giving for Gus podcast, where we will discuss pregnancy and infant loss, parenting after loss and grief. My name is Lindsay and I'll be your host. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Giving for Gus podcast. Today I have Tiffany Langer with me. I'll let her introduce herself.
1: Hello, I'm Tiffany Langer. My son, Kellen, we lost him at 36 weeks pregnant. So I am thankful and happy to be on this podcast. Yay!
0: I'm so excited to hear your story. Um, We'll, of course, dive into talking about Kellen and um, your love for him and your experience. Um, But tell us just a little bit about yourself,
1: what you do, currently where you're at in life. So I do a lot of things. I own a few businesses. I just opened a new business called The Swag Shop. We do custom everything. It's hard to explain because we literally do everything. And so I love doing that. Um, it's, it's really brought my love of design and um, just all the different ways to make things happen for people, especially like after losing Kellen, to be able to make something for somebody and just one item. It's so special yeah. and so fun. And I love that I get to do that. Um, you know, but also, even for businesses to be able to have a small business that maybe they can't afford to buy 10 of something or 15 or 20 to be able to make one thing with somebody's farm logo or somebody's yeah. business has, has been really fun and just watching their faces light up. So, I do that. Um, I have two toddler twins. <laughs> so, just two children, not two sets, but a boy, girl, Vivian and Kason. And they'll be three in March and they're crazy. Wow. You're and, busy. Yeah. My husband's a hockey coach. So, we have. A lot of hockey going on in our lives, and just nonstop. And I'm on the city council.
0: Just add another thing. Always, yeah. I um, I'm not a huge fond person of parenting advice, but I honestly thought that threes were harder than two, a little
1: bit. Everybody talks. Something to look forward to, right? <laughs> um, well, they say three major.
0: Yes, yes, that's what I called my son, the three major. You know, I, I hate the term kind of the terrible twos term but yeah my son was a three-nager
1: they're just so they just want to be independent you know but they also want you to help with everything Mm -hmm. at the same time and it's just my biggest thing is trying to raise raise kind humans you know Mm -hmm. I always make them say please and thank you they've they've got to apologize when they've done something mean and Mm -hmm. it's my biggest focus is that so
0: raise kind humans
1: kind humans I feel like I'll be doing okay
0: yep all you can do is try. Exactly.
1: Um, Well, I will
0: kind of let you take the floor. Um, You can share as much or as little as you want um, about your lost story. Um, I'll just kind of share a little bit of what I know um, for our viewers so they kind of know what to prepare for while they listen. Um, Kellen was stillborn. Yes. um, And so I'll kind of let you share from
1: start to finish and as much or as little as you want so you know what's weird about kellen's death in my opinion is like the night before we found out he was gone he was super active and it was really fun like just feeling like he was like so happy which now looking back you know you just can't help but be like oh no was something wrong Mm -hmm. um I guess I assumed, because Kellen was my first pregnancy, that if something was wrong when he's 36 weeks pregnant, you'd have some kind of warning. Something would happen. He would just come, right? Like That's what you assume. I had no issues with my pregnancy throughout it. I did have gestational diabetes, but it was completely managed by diet. I had had no problems, um, no red flags, literally nothing. (coughs) Sorry. Um. He was the next morning, I was super tired when I woke up. I had an appointment at like 9.30. I was running late. So I just like, I mean, you know, when people are running late and you're just, so I felt guilty and I was just trying to get there. And we were sitting in the lobby, literally just talking about what we were going to do for 4th of July, which is my least favorite holiday. Not even kidding. Like it's always been just I've never been a fan. Right. Um. I don't know why. I just don't care. Like I don't like the big bangs, and my dogs are always upset. You know. And I just have just. I don't want to spend a bunch of money on fireworks and blow right. up. Like I've just never been that person. And so, um, we were like, "Well, we're gonna do hot dogs or what?" And I had planned on going out of town that day to work. And we went through a completely normal appointment, and then at the very end, my doctor was like, "Oh, I just need to grab his heartbeat quick." And there was no heartbeat Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i literally will never forget looking at her and saying he's dead isn't he because i could just tell and i just knew and she's like when was the last time that you felt him move you know and i felt so bad because i didn't even think about it that morning i didn't even like pay attention because it was just such second nature you know to like they're fine. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And I had been so busy and, like, I felt so horrible because I literally couldn't even tell her besides the night before. You know, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting there like, I don't know. I mean, you're – yeah.
0: I mean, that's – you're literally talking about hours though, you know? Yeah. I, it's yeah. just
1: one of those, like
0: – It's kind of the, the – in the moment you get down on yourself. And I remember
1: though. specifically her telling me that his um, fluid was low and it wasn't an issue, but it was something we'd need to watch. Mm-hmm. And this was, of course, before we knew. And then, um, you know, she had to go get an ultrasound tech to confirm that he didn't have a heartbeat. And I also specifically remember her telling me that there were blood clots in his heart. Mm. So, like, in my mind, it was very, like, final, I guess, when I heard that. Because, and I mean, I'm not a medical professional, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if someone can live with blood clots in their heart. But in my mind, that was her telling me, like his blood is clotting, like, there's no miracle happening today.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And um, what is crazy is right after that, it was just like literal insanity because he, she said, okay, now we have to take you to the birthing center. And like, you have to have him today Mm -hmm. because we can't let him like, you can't, your body's going to reject him now. Right. And so it was pretty intense because now it's like phone calls to our parents and you know, work is messaging me and my store still open, so people are asking me and I was supposed to be here and there and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. So it's just pretty intense to like <clears throat> sorry. Okay. <clears throat> I should have grabbed my water. Um have to make all those calls. <clears throat> and my mom was actually at Sanford at the time getting like a chest scan because they were worried about cancerous like – was at Sanford getting a scan because she had – I can't remember, but they were concerned that she had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. She didn't, thank God. But it was like literally I had to call her. Her phone was off. Couldn't get a hold of her. So I had to literally call Sanford, have them transfer me, mm. trying to get to my mom. And like she was literally in the middle of like getting ready to go get the scan and they had to stop it. My dad was on the roof of like some building doing something for work. And it's just the call that you're like, you have to tell these, your parents, that this the, the grandson that- they thought they were going to be holding in four weeks is gone. The call nobody wants. You know, and it's like, and the worst part is, you know, when this happened, uh, you know, I don't want to be mean about it because I feel like I'd like to assume that the hospital did the best they could, Mm -hmm. but they didn't do the best for me. Sure. And um, the entire experience was really traumatic. And I worked really hard after the fact to try to help the hospital make changes, and I will say they were receptive to them. Um, But it scares me for people after me that may have experienced this because, you know, it's just that I can literally run through the day like it was yesterday. I'll never forget what happened and how it happened. And um, it could just be better. You know, just I immediately wanted out of the room. You know, I said I need to leave now Mm -hmm. and so they moved us into another room and it wasn't any better you know I looking back they should have said you know why don't you go home for an hour right or two collect yourself and come back yeah that's really what should have happened right and and at the time I thought oh this is going to happen very quickly and it didn't and so I think that like just giving me an hour or two to go and make those calls from my home. Grab a bag. <laughs> Grab my, the bag I'd packed literally the night before. Oh, yeah. Um, just collect myself. Yeah. Would have been really nice.
0: Right.
1: You know, and then I had to walk through the lobby with all the other pregnant people. I felt like I was doing the walk of shame. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go up to the maternity floor. You're with all the other people who are having joyous situations. And in the waiting room, your people who come and visit are all in the same waiting room as all the people who are happy. Mm -hmm. They don't know any better. You know, all these things that happen are just so, like, you just don't think about that until it happens to you. Right. How triggering those things are. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. You know, I even said just as silly as like the pictures on the wall.
0: Yeah. I, I've heard another another mom
1: say that too. Um, Not everybody's leaving there yeah. with a happy situation. Right. And I guess in my mind, now that I've been through it, which unfortunately I didn't understand, you know, I really didn't understand. You just don't know what you don't know. But like you don't need to cater to the people having a happy situation. And that's the genuine truth. And as somebody who's gotten to experience now a happy situation, Mm -hmm. you can just take all the pictures down as some I didn't need them when I was leaving with my twins. You know what I mean? Like I didn't need to see all the happy baby pictures. Right. It would have been fine if they were just flowers. Right, right. Like, why do you need those? You don't. Right. So, you know, then the process began. And what I think is a really important misconception for people to understand is that they don't let you just say, I'll have a C-section, you know, let's just get this over with. It's a, okay, now we're going to put you through the process of birth except for you get this horrible situation. Mm -hmm. And so then they started the process, you know, and it was painful and it was miserable and it was horrific. And then, um, I, for people who haven't had a child, you know, I've never had had a child. So I had no idea what was happening to me. I
0: was just going to say what a great first pregnancy Yeah, right. Experience. Like I literally
1: had no idea. I I hadn't gone to like any – I hadn't even taken a tour. Right. You know, we were 36 weeks. So it was very much like all that stuff was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'd never even been on the floor besides visiting somebody maybe once. And so I had no idea of the process. I had no idea what was going on, you know, and they were putting all these things on me. And they kept saying fetal demise, which, again, was another, like, Kellen had a name. Yeah. It just – I understand the medical world. I understand the term. I get it. That's what it is. But humanize it maybe. But my yeah. God, yeah. like you're dealing with two parents who just lost their firstborn child at 36 weeks pregnant.
2: Yeah,
1: Fetal demise is not quite the term to use.
2: Yeah,
1: And so um, it, it just, you know, then they started putting this stuff on to test his movement, not movement, but contractions Mm -hmm. because they're trying to force me into labor and um, I don't know if you've heard the term like the phantom you know where you could feel like you're feeling movement Mm -hmm. or like if somebody is um, deceased and you feel like you see them move you know it Mm -hmm. happens a lot my nephew people will have like
0: phantom mm -hmm. pain if they have an amputation yes
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I felt him move right and I knew that wasn't true but I couldn't help it and it was really hard and so like I I said it to the nurse, not as in like I actually thought I was feeling it, but just frustration, you know, like I didn't want any of the stuff on me and I didn't understand why I needed to have it. Like I was just frustrated and right. she took it as like she should check. And so she was like checking around my stomach and I was really frustrated. I was like, what are you doing? Like stop. Mm-hmm. And she thought she heard a heartbeat, which, again, I knew that wasn't the case. My doctor had told me there was blood clots in his heart. I very much knew he was gone. Mm -hmm. But she went to my doctor and asked her to do another ultrasound on me. Yeah. And so my doctor comes in with the ultrasound machine. And she's like, you requested this? And I was like, I absolutely did not request that. And she was, like, the nurse said that there was a potential heartbeat, like, and now she has to check. And I was, like, actually, I, like, don't want that. And I didn't get a choice. She, like, had to show me. And my heart was just, like, it was just so hard. Uh-huh. And I thought, like, looking back, it's, like, I didn't ask. I, I, like, it was just such a horrible thing to have to see again. Mm-hmm. And then – um, they, the one thing I really do appreciate they let me have the epidural way earlier than normal
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I did, as soon as I felt any pain at all I was like give it to me now like yeah I don't need enough pain exactly like, give it give me whatever I need so I was thankful for that um there was one point where they tried to make me walk around and labor you know they're like well if you walk around it'll be more quick this process could speed up mm-hmm so i got up you know and just you're just going through the motions you know you're just and i remember walking and trying to go out and i looked up and i'm right by the nursery and my entire body shut down i'm not kidding you i was like freak shaking like i couldn't stop shaking i was so cold they had to bring me like 10 of the warming blankets and it's like my entire body just shut down yeah And I just looking back, it's like, why would you even suggest that? Like, you think it's a good idea to have me walking around laboring? First of all, across from the nursery. Second of all, with other moms who are literally actively laboring. Yeah. Bad idea. It was horrible. I mean, obviously there's nobody who's going to be like, that was a great experience, but like it was just horrible. And then finally, you know, they gave me the Pitocin because everything else wasn't working the late, I mean, my body was just done. Mm -hmm. And within 45 minutes I had Kellen from the Pitocin and looking back, I'm like, why couldn't you just give me the Pitocin? Yeah. Why didn't you just give it to me? Put me out of my misery. Like- I just don't get it. I really don't. I still don't. And, you know, I it's just weird. But, you know, then you have the time with your child. And I didn't get to have him um, alive, which sucks. Um, but now I lay me down to sleep. You know, we did get to have really great photos taken, which mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for, especially because it happened on, you know, the 4th of July. So it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. So it's you just never know with things like that. And, and the photographer came and did those photos for us, which I'm so thankful for because I do know people who have lost their child Mm -hmm. and didn't get that opportunity, especially if their child was born alive. Um, a lot of times they don't get those opportunities and as jealous as I am that people get that experience with their child, you know, being able to hold them alive. And I am so thankful that I have those photos. Right. So, 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 so thankful. Um, I regret, you know, I wish they would have communicated more with me about, um, there's these things called cuddle cuts. Mm-hmm. and Avera and Sanford both have them. I believe that those are our hospitals here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that I didn't realize what it was. I didn't understand. And one of my biggest fears was that he would start changing colors yeah. and I just didn't want to experience it. So I didn't keep him as long as I probably would have. Yeah. And I think that that's like, I wish they had communicated that better. And I think that's something that we should talk about more. Um, I really regret not looking at every part of his body. I was just really scared. And they communicated with me that people who lose their children, um, Are glad they looked at their child, you know, and like they they did tell me that. But I just wasn't in a place. Right. Um once really, again, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I really wish that they had offered me some kind of counselor. Um, they offered me a clergy person, and I was not in the space to talk to anybody religious. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a disservice to um grieving family to only offer religious um, whatever you want to call that right. um, as an option because in that moment I was really angry and I didn't want to hear somebody tell me anything about God or anything about where Kellen was or anything right. whatsoever. I didn't want to hear it, and so I just rejected it immediately, and I really wish that I had have had the opportunity to talk to, like, a mental health provider. Right. Right. It's not fair that I didn't get that opportunity and I made sure they knew they failed me. Um. And the next thing, you know, I wanted to go home immediately. You know, and they're asking all these questions about, do you want this autopsy? Do you want this? Do you want that? You know, I'm filling out a death certificate. Um, fun fact, and this is where I get really mad about the current situation in our country with, women's rights, you know, we want to talk about women's rights and not giving women the option, but my son was 36 weeks long and I didn't even get to claim him on my taxes because he didn't count Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because he wasn't born breathing. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's comical because in a world where six weeks – And a heartbeat matters which don't get me wrong i get it you know as soon as my twins had a heartbeat as soon as i saw a positive pregnancy test my twins were real to me so i'm not saying that's not true but i just think it's interesting that our government and legislators want to regulate something like that but then a 36 week baby that i have doesn't count you know i just think it's it's interesting and and if i had had the opportunity to have him 10 weeks earlier and have had the chance to hold him alive, I would have done it. Yeah. And so to take that away from me is really upsetting, you know, that that we're doing that. And I don't want to go political, but I think about it often because had I had that opportunity, I would have given anything.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I never want to take that away from someone. Right. And I'm mad I didn't open his eyes. I think about that all the time too. It's just so the things you think about, right? Like, mm-hmm. are not the things that I'm guessing people think we think about. Right. I don't think about Christmas. <laughs> like, I don't think about any of that.
0: I've had so many people ask me, and that's the season we're in currently. Um, yeah. And I've had literally so many people ask me, like, how are you doing through Christmas? <laughs> and I mean, on, it's honestly, it's not the same right um it'll never be the same but the smallest details like you're
1: describing yeah well they say that too about death in general is that everyone thinks the holidays are what's hard but in reality it's like the random tuesday when you're at swim lessons with your kid yeah if you're lucky enough to have a child right yeah and then another sibling that's in the class with your kids comes
0: yeah that should be your that kid's should be age. the same
1: age and you're sitting there staring and you realize oh my god i'm staring like yeah i'm a weirdo but like you can't help but think what would it be like yeah and it's really like those it's not christmas
2: Mm-mm.
1: you know you're of course gonna think oh man how different what would i buy but it's not the same uh-huh. as watching your children interact with someone that would be the same age as their brother, right? And it just absolutely crushing you in the middle of a swim lesson, you know. And that's what's hard is it's it's just you don't know, mm-hmm. and it just hits you, and you just the random song and <laughs> song in target that plays when you're walking through, and it's yeah, so hard. The randomest know, and, things, yeah. And it's interesting because they say time, you know, oh, time. It doesn't ever get easier. Mm -hmm. I always say you just get better at hiding the pain Mm -hmm. because the pain is still there every day. And you just hide it.
0: Yeah. You just have to carry it a little different. Yeah.
1: But other things I think they don't talk about which are uncomfortable, you know, um, the milk still comes. Yes. That postpartum recovery. After the body, all of it, it's still there. You just don't have a baby. Mm-hmm. You go mm-hmm. through all of it, you know, and we had just had a baby shower the Sunday before. Oh, <laughs> And I had um, all these target gift cards. And so on like that Monday, I think I ordered like all the rest of the things. So then like everything was delivering. I think Kellen's mattress sat on our front porch for like three days I was like, I don't even want to in here. Mm -mm. I don't want to look at it. Yeah. You know, and the room is just the door shut. (laughs) Can't blame you. It's just interesting though. Like all those things that you go through and experience and, you know, then you're angry and you're mad. And I'm not a jealous person. I just never have been. I just, I think it's great that people get, to experience things and have things and I'm never somebody that's like, oh man, why don't I get that? You know, I just don't care. I think it's awesome that everybody gets to get what they get and work hard and earn things and don't work hard and earn things. I don't care. Not jealous. Um, but I was really jealous and I never had experienced that feeling really before. And so it was really hard and really uncomfortable and really, um, hard to manage because I was so jealous mm-hmm. and so angry. And um, when you're in a small community like we are, you know, mm-hmm. we're in a pretty small community, um, you don't really get the choice of not acknowledging what happened. Yeah. And that's what I think is cool about, you know, we're taking what happened to us and, and doing what we can to. I'm cutting the stigma. Give, I'm done yeah, with it. <laughs> and, and give our children purpose because they can't give themselves purpose. Right. And so, you know, I didn't get the choice to not talk about Kellen's death right away because if I didn't, the whole town was going to be talking about it anyway. Exactly. There's no way that it wasn't going to – I mean, and it's not because, you know, people are gossiping. That's one thing. But it's, it's even that they care, you know. They're talking about it, the majority of people, because they just feel so bad. Right. And it's one of those shocking things, you know, that you just talk about. Right. So I had to talk about it. You know, I had to put out his death. And then, you know, everybody wants to know why. And or they or they want
0: to know what happened and
1: everybody wants to know what happens. And so did I. And there was no way to know. You know, I didn't I never got to find out what happened to Kellen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really hard is when you don't find out. You don't know how to prevent it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, you know, because you have a child Mm -hmm. um, before you had Gus. Mm -hmm. And I think all the time about how difficult that would be, you know, to lose your child. But you have a child at home. And so how do you go um, home and have to go into mom mode? It's weird,
0: <laughs> for sure. Um, I mean, I know we've discussed before, mm-hmm. um, like, that that post-grieving process. Um, and I know, like, going through that, that, like, raw, intense grief, like, literally when you don't want to get out of your bed. Right. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to, like, just stay there. But I had a three-year-old that... <laughs>
1: I can't even – and then, you know, you think about that and then you think about me going home with no – nothing, you know, and it's crazy to think about because that was hard
2: mm -hmm.
1: and the fear of am I ever going to have a child, Mm -hmm. you know, because that was real Mm -hmm. and thinking like how bad, you know, all that guilt of like the process of going through what we went through and like I didn't even want to be pregnant. Like, I wanted the child, obviously, but I hated. But, like, surprise. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't like the process of being pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, there's people who are like, oh, it's the best time ever, and, like, I love this. And that was not me. No. I complained about it way more than any human probably does. (laughs) I hated everything about it. Um, On every capacity, I hated that I couldn't take medicine that I wanted to take. If I wanted to have a glass of wine, I couldn't do that. You know, so then – after the fact you have all this guilt Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then I hated myself I hated my body I didn't trust my body I hated myself was mad at myself forever I thought how selfish are you and then I like wanted to punish myself Mm -hmm. like you're like well first of all I didn't even want to drink which I think is another thing and we talked about that like Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting like alcohol is associated with happiness sadness it's what we do for everything like, oh, we're going to celebrate. Let's have drinks. Oh, yeah. we're sad. We're, let's have drinks. Like, and I didn't trust myself to drink. I knew that if I had a drink of anything, I probably wouldn't stop. Right. Because I just was so sad. The cel- yeah. Which
0: is good that you were
1: self-aware of that. So, yeah, I, I was super self-aware and I knew yeah. better um, than to drink. I just knew I couldn't, Mm -hmm. but I also was punishing myself to be honest. Like I wouldn't let myself get on any medication. I wouldn't let myself do anything that I couldn't do if I wasn't pregnant. Because for some reason in my crazy mind, (laughs) I thought if I just, um, continue like I'm pregnant or like I'm trying, my body will be as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be able to get pregnant again quickly. And then I'll just be able to forget all this happened. Right. But you can't forget it. Oh my gosh. You'll never forget it. Um, That's your mind
0: tricking, uh, trying yeah, to trick you're, yourself.
1: You're just like, oh, how can I make? And I remember sitting down with um, Marnie from Mothers of Angels, which she's an incredible resource. I love that we have that it's, in our area; it's fabulous. Um, and that's something that if anybody's listening and they know mm-hmm. somebody, you know, who's experiencing loss or has, they'll mail one of those boxes anywhere, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. Yeah. Um, but she was a great resource for me, and how crazy. Um, mothers of angels had actually planned an event at my store that was going to be happening like the week after 4th of July. Sure. So I like designed like these things that they were going to be making. Mm -hmm. So I had already known this group, but I didn't really know about them besides what I was doing for them. Um, and so Marnie had messaged me and I met with her and I just remember I kept asking her like, can you give me a timeline on like when I'm going to feel better? Can you just like, like, when is, am I going to like, just even feel a little bit better? And she was like, I really can't give you a timeline. I was like, I know. I just want to like, it's going to be like three months. And I'm going to be like, because you just want to know. Right. When that like emptiness is not going to feel so empty and so heavy. Right. The answer is it just doesn't ever go away. But I wish I had even, like, known that a little bit. Like, it's never going to go away. Right. You know, but I will never forget the first moment because I thought about Kellen every single second of every single day. And I wrote about that in my blog, you know. And in it, I was very real and very honest and very brutal. And I even had put, like, about – and I was honest to, I mean, to anybody. I just had no filter. I just didn't care. And I said, like, if you don't want to be my friend anymore, I don't care. Right. I don't miss you. I won't miss you. Mm -hmm. Literally all I think about is my son. Like I don't care. And I meant it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I remember like the first second that I didn't think about him. And I was like laughing with someone. And I remember being like, oh my God, I just went like three or four minutes without thinking. And I felt so guilty. guilty. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that I like did that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and It's just crazy. think about the depression you're in and the sadness you're in but I didn't want medication because I and I am a huge proponent like if you need to be medicated and helped in any way do it but I knew um medication wasn't going to help me right it wasn't a situation that could be helped you know all it was going to do was numb me and I just right I felt like the only way I could work through the grief was genuinely working through it.
0: I think, you know, and this is just my nurse practitioner side of things, like generally I tell people when they think about starting medications, like medications are there to help us, right? But the reality of life is we're gonna we're gonna have to go through hard things, you know, and it's yeah, it's just all if you feel like if it's you for you or not
1: and yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because I genuinely believe, like, with depression meds, we can have chemical imbalances in our brains and needing something to help fix that. When you're going through a situation, yeah, you know, no amount of medication is going to stop that situation from occurring or the fact that it did occur. And so um, living it was what I needed to do, and I lived it, and it's hard. You, you kind of
0: have to just feel it all to process it, too, it, I think. You do,
1: and – it's interesting because, again, I go back to, like, so Kellen died in July. I um, went to Russia right after that. Scott was coaching a hockey tournament in Russia, a world tournament, and so I went, and that was quite an experience. Um, And then October came, and one thing that annoys me about October is that I feel like pregnancy and infant loss awareness Mm. being associated with that month, it kind of doesn't, you don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And again, it's because it's not talked about and it's so common. It's so uncomfortable
0: for people to talk about. Like people literally hate talking about this and I will be the first one to admit I'm trying to be active and like I said, I'm trying to cut this stigma and- I'm trying to do a lot at the facility that I work at mm-hmm. in our local hospital and clinic. Um, and I was going to speak about our resources that I'm trying to establish um, at our at our hospital. And I even kind of got a little anxious about it myself because I was really worried about how receptive people or not receptive people were going to be to this. and. It almost, and I'm I'm really, like, I'm never uncomfortable, like, just talking in a small group of people, but this was, like, me potentially going in front of this huge group of people, and
1: maybe that's just me because I'm not a good public speaker, but. Um, I think it's so, like, to think that people could potentially not understand the severity of something that is so severe is scary, mm-hmm. you know, and actually, you're not wrong that it's sometimes people don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable but also and i'll be the first to admit that i was a person who did not understand the actual severity oh yeah of it and i feel guilt on a level i can't describe for the people that have experienced and and you know people have reached out to me um that have lost before me and i apologize to them saying i'm so sorry that i did not understand yeah what you went through i'm so sorry that i ever thought, you know, oh man, that's like, I'm so sorry that I didn't actually think enough about this. Right. Yeah. I can't believe even miscarriages, you know, I always laugh because people will say, oh, you have to wait till after 12 weeks. Yeah. First of all, there's no (laughs) safe zone. How about we stop that stigma? And that's (laughs) actually on the doctors in my opinion too. Like they should not make you feel comfortable ever.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, they can make you feel okay, like things are going to be okay. We're going to do everything we can to make it okay. But they should never, ever, ever make you feel like you're safe. All right. They should always make sure you're diligent. I do not feel like the education on stillbirth is good enough as far as them making sure that you understand. You know, I was just talking to somebody who his girlfriend is 15 weeks pregnant and he was talking to me about it. I said, well, you know, um, having a stillborn is one in 160. So imagine 160 people that you know Mm -hmm. are pregnant and one of them has a pretty, you know, a shot. I go pick your one. Right. He goes, what? Mm One in 160? Mm -hmm. That's not, that's less than 1%. But that's why I get so mad during COVID when people go, it's just 1%. Right. I'm like, okay, pick one person out of 100 that you know they're dead. Like, let's start talking numbers, not percentages. Right. Like, one in 160 sucks. (laughs) Like, and he was shocked. He's like, they didn't even, like, act like it was really, like, something to, like, worry about. Now, do I think people should lose sleep every night worrying that their child is going to be born deceased? No. But I certainly would have. Liked as a first-time parent who's never been through the process to know the potential. Right. If it's that common.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, miscarriages are one in five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we just act like it's not a thing.
0: Yeah. So, so common, especially. And I I think that's unfortunately where people get like the the 12-week is your safe zone because <laughs> –
1: that's that, when you're more likely right. to.
0: Right. But, but that's the thing.
1: Yes. But it's never okay. After 12 Truly. weeks, you are less likely right. to have a miscarriage because then after when you get to 20, and once you're past 20, it's called stillbirth. Right, right. It's just a different term. Exactly. Also, there's a million other complications that can occur. Mm-hmm. There are so many complications. There are so many issues. In fact, almost every person that I've met – That has lost a child. I don't think I've met one person who's had the same loss. Mm -mm. I don't – I have met so many people. And how crazy that it's just not a thing that we talk about. Yeah. Except for all the people whose kids have died. We all talk.
0: That's what blows my mind is, yeah, how it's just – And I'm – like I said, I'm kind of embarrassed too. I shouldn't say I'm embarrassed because obviously – I'm talking about it. My filter's kind of off at this point in my life. Right. But you know, I will say in that moment it was kind of just like a yeah, I was worried about how receptive people are going to be to it. And they're just not sometimes they're not,
1: it's people are uncomfortable being uncomfortable. And in my blog, I literally put because what frustrated me is that people want to know, but then they don't want to know, right? They want to know what's going on, but then when it gets uncomfortable, then they don't want to know. Yeah. Or, you know. Like, let's talk about Kellen. Let's talk about what happened. I'm fine talking about what happened, but also know if I talk about it, if I cry, or if I don't cry, or if whatever happens is what's going to happen. So be receptive to that. Right. Don't feel bad. Like it's okay. But also, you know, when the the piece of like the conversation is you're uncomfortable right now. I'm talking to you about this, but I'm uncomfortable for my entire life. Yeah. This is my life. So take your five minutes. Be uncomfortable. And let me tell you how important this is. Right. Let me just say his name. Yeah. Feel uncomfortable for a minute because this is my life. Mm-hmm. And be thankful that you're so blessed that you don't ever have to feel this. How fortunate are you to never have to have this be your life because it's mine? Right. And it's a lot of other people's. You know, I feel bad because people have experienced miscarriages. Um, or any loss when they find out what I went through, and I'm sure you've heard this, they say, oh, but it's not the same. Like, I get it. It's not the same as yours. And I'm like, don't discount what you went right, through. Right, Like, I would never wish on anyone to experience what I had happen, but I also don't ever want somebody to feel like their grief and what they went through isn't worthy. right. It's worthy, you know, and if I had found out something was wrong with the twins when I was 12 weeks or wherever or something happened or, you know, in my mind, I wouldn't have twins so bad after Kellen, which is hilarious that I had twins because I think that's something you just literally stir in your own head of all the possibilities of life, how nice it would be because, and this is so terrible to even say out loud, but I thought if I lost one of them, I'd have the other one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let me tell you. Would not have worked like that if i had lost one i would have been a wreck right you know and it's just that like your illogical grief brain i think it's
0: kind of like yeah that's a good term i was gonna say traumatic mind but i like grief brain too yeah yeah the like things the, you
1: convince yourself mm-hmm. of the
0: bargaining with
1: yourself you bargain yeah. all the time with yeah. yourself yeah which is so crazy you and i still do that we still do that and that's what i think is important Grief doesn't end and it doesn't um, ever stop. We just go through these different phases of it and try to figure out how we're going to navigate it. And like I was telling you on our way over here, um, it's just weird to go through that and to try to like navigate that with your living children Mm -hmm. and trying to like create this legacy for your deceased child in the way that you want to shape it. Right. And it's scary, you know, because you have such a responsibility to give them life. Right. Um, And it's probably not even as intense as we make it, right? And people probably from the outside are like, Jesus, like it doesn't have to be that like, but it is, it's such a, you know, Kellen has his own stocking and every time I get ornaments, you know, he gets all those things. Mm -hmm. But also from the other perspective of like, I don't expect anybody else to do that. You know, like if somebody buys my kid something, I don't expect them to buy something for Kellen. Right. You know, but I do. Right. And I don't know if I'll do that forever, but yeah. I but think. even you think about like when, you know, what, what do you do? And I, you know, this is just my brain going, but like when everybody else is starting kindergarten and when you're supposed to graduate and when you would have turned 16 and like what like what do you do? And those are just all the things I just don't think people think about. Mm-hmm.
0: I yeah, like I listened to I wanted to do a podcast because I listened to so many other great podcasts, honestly. And once again, I think breaking the stigma, and I just felt like I knew so many people in our area that were going through this, and um which is crazy,
1: yeah, but again,
0: because we're such a small area
1: it's yeah, and yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, this is not uncommon, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just
0: not. but I remember another podcast that I listened to um the the host who had lost her daughter, she she had said that exactly her daughter would have been five and she has the you know the thoughts of she would be going to kindergarten and all the the what-ifs and you know i was talking to another close friend today we last year around this time we were getting ready to tell people that we were pregnant and i the way i best describe it is the last moments that you were obliviously joyful or you know
1: i think that's really interesting you bring that up because when So after I lost Kellen my first year, right? So you have this first year of grief, which is just unfathomable.
0: Like all year first. The yeah. first
1: year is just because you have no idea what to expect and you have no idea what's going to trigger you. You're just figuring it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You have... You're just blissfully ignorant, but it's not blissful, right? You're depressingly ignorant, (laughs) which sucks. And then you go thinking, you know, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. You know, you think you know all the things that are going to be hard. Mm -hmm. You don't. And the one um, thing I wasn't expecting was the month of June Mm. was so miserable. The entire month. The entire month was miserable because I was so happy in June and I worked so hard for work and I worked so hard preparing and I worked so hard getting ready and I had baby showers and I had all these things. And like in the June after he had died, right? So it was right almost at a year. I was so sad because I just everything that I had memory wise in general, I was so happy. And I just thought how dumb I was, you know, I was mad at myself and I was like angry and like, I just was not expecting that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. It was funny because the day, you know, the anniversary of the day we found out and then his death and all that, it was easy. I was in a way better place a year later than where yeah. I was the day he died. It was all the time before that was hard. Yeah. Leading up to it, thinking about, oh, all the pictures are popping up. All this stuff is show-. like, oh, look how dumb I was. You know, like I was so happy and blissfully ignorant thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to have this baby. And right. guess what? No, you didn't. Like, and I was so angry. I mean, I deleted social media for. August to March I was close I couldn't handle the pregnancy announcements which that's another thing you don't even think about I didn't even I wouldn't have even talked about the twins being a thing but then I decided to dress up as the Grinch and it just like went viral (sighs) and I didn't have a choice anymore um I did maternity pictures as the Grinch it was pretty great um parents picked it up and that was the end it was just everybody was gonna know um uh, pregnancy announcements were really hard, especially yeah. that this was an accident. You know, oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> like, was that an accident? You <laughs> like, Oops, you did it again. Good for you. <laughs> like, I couldn't do it. <clears throat> Even the people I should have been happy for, I wasn't happy. And I'll sit here right now and admit that. That's, that's really hard plan. to admit because it makes me feel bad, but I didn't care. Because I didn't know if it was gonna happen for me, I wasn't mad at them necessarily. I just didn't care right I didn't want to see anybody else's happiness. I didn't care oh, you're happy, good for you, right go do it somewhere else. go take your happy and do it somewhere else. And so I had a fake Facebook because I still had to run my business, sure, I had a fake Facebook and I liked all those like Tucker dog, you know where he, they like she like voices things over yeah. for the dogs, bath and body works. <laughs> Um, just dumb things yeah. on my fake Facebook. And that's – because it, really it's all about habit, right? Like yeah. you just need to scroll. I had the fake Facebook. And I never looked – but the funny part is, right, I got it back because I ran for city council. And I was like, I have – like I just have to. Like if I get my Facebook back, I know I'll have a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget. First of all, people had to invite me things in real – like to real life. Like – People would see me at Kessler's or whatever, you know, anywhere, Target. Like, oh, did you see – did you not see that on Facebook? And I'm like, no, you have to, like, actually tell me. And so that was funny. But, like, I'm not kidding you. So August, September, October, November, December, January. So eight months. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Do you know what happens in eight months? Like, there were people that got divorced and, like, remarried. And, like, I mean, people had kids. Like, I just was, like – I couldn't believe it it was pretty funny like just the stuff that you find out through social media (laughs) I had no idea that like it was just really really funny (laughs) um waking up one day and deciding to get Facebook back and then all the things that changed about people I mean but it was I had to do it yeah I couldn't I couldn't be on there and I'm glad I did but I encourage people, you know, if that's something – and I didn't just, like, delete the app. I straight up was deactivated. You just don't need it. If mm-hmm. it's bringing you devastation more than joy. Right. What's that, like, Marie Kondo where she's, like, does it bring you happiness or get rid of it, like, with clothes? Do right. that with social media. Like, yeah. if it is bringing you devastation, like, you don't need it. Right and i just didn't need it and i was really glad i got rid of it
0: how um how was your pregnancy after your loss
1: miserable miserable horrible devastatingly terrible um so i will say um i switched hospitals i could not uh i could not fathom trying to go through that process even just walking into that hospital again um and it had nothing to do with like thinking one hospital would be better than the other right. it just was thinking about like that that place anything. the traumatic yes. place yeah um i couldn't do it so i switched um the fear the thing i really appreciated was like i made sure that my doctors understood i needed honesty from them like i need you to tell me all the things Mm -hmm. because i need to prepare mentally for everything that could happen Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know we found out we were pregnant with twins at five and a half weeks
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um because i was psycho you know like i was the one who was like and i just want to put this out there because again the stigma and this is great with infertility to talk about too because you know scott and i had tried for the entire year Mm -hmm. after you know and they normally don't recommend that you start trying um I think three months is what they say technically, but my doctor had okayed. She was like, after you get, you know, your period back and you get on a normal cycle after one month, you know, you guys can start trying because a lot of times, um, when you lose a child, they say that like that process is something that like helps you move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and I use the term move forward, always not move on. We're not moving on. We're just trying to move forward. Right. Um, I really, really, really wanted to have another child, um, and we tried so hard. And that process sucks, and it's exhausting. And you feel like a failure, and you feel angry, and you feel frustrated, right? And you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you read stories about parents who do these terrible things, or you know, they have drug addicted babies and you're like, and their baby, like this poor child lived and is suffering and my child died. I know. You know, and and I, it's important to be honest like this because there's somebody listening potentially right now that's having these thoughts and I want them to know, like it's okay. It's normal
0: to think it. Yeah.
1: These are the things that are going through someone's head. And I tried so hard and, um, You know, I was so angry because it just, we weren't getting pregnant and I just was so frustrated. And I mean, I'm not kidding you. I can't tell you. There was one time I think that I took 12 pregnancy tests Mm -hmm. and I ripped them apart. I Googled, like, I mean, I wish I could like pull up my history of like Google (laughs) at one point because like the things I would Google and I literally Googled, you know, all these different like things about pulling like pregnancy tests. And like, I was like, I mean, I was just obsessive. I couldn't help it. And I think it's important because that's normal. And I felt so dumb, but you go online and there's a million other people doing it. Right. And it's okay. Whatever you have to do to get through it. And I mean, I bought, I had an Ava bracelet. I had this other thing um i can't think of what the name is it starts with an m but it actually is really cool and it tests your actual lh levels Mm. so it tells you like i mean it pinpoints within like six hours of when you ovulated and like it actually confirms if you did or not it's mira is what it's called Mm. um i was obsessive so yeah i knew i was pregnant when i was pregnant um but i was spotting and i immediately freaked out Right. So we're like positive test four days later and I'm freaking out, you know, maybe a week later. And, uh, that's what sucks is, you know, that's the start and people will talk about pregnancy and how much they enjoy it. And I, that's one thing again, that I just, I did not enjoy my pregnancy with Kellen and I'll never get to have, I mean, I'm never having any more kids. Once you have twins, you're just done. And if you aren't done, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I hope people who get to have normal, healthy pregnancies appreciate the fact that they get to have normal, healthy pregnancies Mm -hmm. because once that's taken away from you, you never get it back. Right. And the fear associated with it is so intense. And so I text my doctor and just said, "Um, I'm spotting, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And she said, okay, if you had to get bad news- would you prefer it come with an ultrasound or with lab work? And I said, lab work. I cannot have yeah. another traumatic like PTS ultrasound all experience. over again. Like my next ultrasound experience needs to be a positive ultrasound experience. If we can make it one, yeah. Yeah. And so um I went and did, you know, they have anybody who's listening that's had to go through that, you they do the HCG count, you know, and they do it and then 48 hours later. So I went and did it the next day she called me and she's like, I think you might be further along than you think.
2: Mm.
1: And I was like in my head thinking it's literally not possible. Like I'm a psycho. <laughs> I track everything. Um, she's like, you know, Tiff, I think you should come in and we'll just go and do an ultrasound because I just want to see, because if you're as far along as I think you are, then there will be something to see
2: mm-hmm.
1: versus like as you know, as early as you think. So I, again, in my mind, I'm thinking, I do not want to do this. If this is bad news, I do not want to do this. Yeah. You know, I just – but then I thought, she knows I don't want to do that. So I feel like more than likely this is not going to be bad news. But I also – and we get there and they put the thing on and immediately. You see the two. <laughs> and that's why, you know, I'm spotting and that's com- more common. You know, and it is – it's not uncommon to spot right. where you have – a successful pregnancy but again things that we don't talk right, about right you just automatically go to the dark place exactly yeah. especially after you've already went through a loss because right. you just expect your entire life to be terrible right
0: especially and unexpected
1: yeah you know you just and so um i knew at five and a half weeks and from that moment on every day was scary mm-hmm. what's really hard too is um and again, one thing that the medical professional, and I'm sure you hearing this will be like, yep, we don't think about this. And maybe you think about it more now. Um, and my doctor told me this after the fact like, my new doctor, my, because um, once you have a loss, you get maternal fetal, you know, you get the mm-hmm. real, real, real experience doctors that deal with the problem children like me. <laughs> um, she said, you know, sometimes we say things as medical professionals that, are just normal for us to say. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize that people like you that are not familiar with these terms or everyday things hang on to them like they're like the God Almighty truth. Right. You know, it's like, and my doctor had said like, okay, more than likely Kellen passed away away overnight. Sure. Right. And so in my mind, I'll never forget that. Same with the fluid being low, Mm. even though she said, and I'll repeat to you, it's not a big deal. We just need to watch it. In my mind, like right. fluid lows, bad nighttime's bad. Right, I couldn't sleep every night. I was freaking out. Especially, what's funny is, you know, you think, oh, once I feel the moving, life is good. No, once you feel the moving, you need to feel the moving all the time. Right. right, right. Like all these things. Like so, the further along you progress you think you're safe, but you're not safe. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, the further along I progressed, the more scared I was because the further along I got to, and I told my doctors that the closer I get to 36 weeks, the more psycho I'm going to get. Yeah. Like I might just camp out in the ER department and just order <laughs> Jimmy John's and pizza. I don't care. And with my fetal monitor. Like, I mean, I'm just saying if that happens, don't be surprised. Right. Like this is where I'm mentally at. So be ready. Yeah. And so, but being honest and open right. with your medical providers, Is super important because they knew, you know, like they told me, okay, Tiffany, like your anxiety is really high and like we don't always recommend anxiety or depression medicine for people who are pregnant, but in your case, it might be better for you because it's harder on your pregnancy to not to be in this mental state. Right, right. And I had never taken meds at that point and I'll never forget because I was struggling sleeping. And I had this terrible nightmare of, like, I mean, it was weird. Like, I was swimming and Kellen was, like, in my stomach and, like, he was, like, holding out and, like, the twins. And it was, like, I woke up, messaged my doctor and said, give me the meds. Yeah. I'm never having another dream like this again. I can't do it. I cannot feel like That's terrible. But that's the thing. And it's, like, talking to someone like you, you know, who's just experienced a loss and maybe you're thinking about having a child. Maybe you aren't. I don't know. but. Mm -hmm it's scary yeah
0: i I think everybody i've had on the podcast so far has had a pregnancy after their loss and i think i told somebody this the other day i would we struggled through infertility so but i i was always that person that once again like ignorantly blissful was like i'm gonna have four or five kids and okay well I'll
1: shoot for maybe one more. <laughs> well, and I think that's funny because that's another part of me is like kids were never a thing for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I never said I didn't want kids. Right. But I never – like I wasn't – my best friend was always like, I want to be a mom. I'm right. going to have four kids. Right. I was always like, I want to be a CEO. Yeah. I want to – you know, and if kids happen, they happen. And so now I'm at the – when I lost Kellen, I was 35.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm already, you know, mm-hmm. at that. And so then you start thinking, oh my God, like – I didn't know that I would want to have kids. Now I might not be able to. Now I'm right. getting older. I have this clock is ticking. You know, all those mental head games mm-hmm. that you have and all that regret of like how selfish was I to put first my career and, and all these things that I thought were so important. And like your mind makes you feel guilty. Uh, oh, mom guilt is real from the second that like you can ever feel it. And mm-hmm. every facet ever. Right. And so, you know, the the pregnancy, but I'll never forget, you know, those things the doctors say. My doctor telling me, I think I was like 20 weeks, 22 weeks, and she said, she did the ultrasound. She goes, both of your babies are now bigger than the smallest baby we've ever successfully delivered. And like- Oh, Led to healthy lives, sure. like, and that the like sense of just relief that brought me was so big. Mm-hmm. And I remember my other doctor saying, "Tiffany, if you can get to twenty eight weeks, you know that's that's a very realistic number, you know. So right. once you hit that time, like, those babies can be safe without you, right? And so I just remember thinking, I just got to get to twenty eight weeks." I just got to get to 28 weeks and I'll never forget hitting that number and just being like, thank God. And not to mention I was also pregnant in the height of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. I found out I was pregnant with the twins in August of 2020. I kind of forgot about COVID here for a minute. It was a whole nother like mind, like just, you know, you're already right dealing with grief. You're already scared in this pregnancy. And then they're like, oh, by the way, there's this whole pandemic, you know, and we're living in a state where not everyone Was super excited to follow protocols, you know, or like precautions. And so just trying to navigate that and protect myself and my doctor, it was like, your only job pretty much is to not get COVID Mm -hmm. because we don't know, you know, and it wasn't about whether people believed in any of that. It was about, we don't know what COVID could potentially do to a fetus. Like we just don't know.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: We have no idea. So it's just better to not do it. Right, and so I mean, starting in October or November of 2020 is when it kind of got pretty bad in South Dakota, and I really didn't go anywhere. I pretty much just was at my store or at home, like kind of hold up because I just really was. I didn't expect anybody else to keep me safe. Yeah, you know, I just.
0: Well, and I mean, you're already immunocompromised as being pregnant. You know. I remember um, being pregnant with Henry, you know, in, oh gosh, it would have been 2019, like later in that year um, before the whole COVID thing happened because he was born in February. Um, She literally told me like, just don't get the flu or, you know, something like that. So, yeah.
1: They, I know that's there. And that's what's hard in there. Like, just don't get COVID. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> as like every day, they're coming out with new ways that you can like. Yeah. And so it was just a lot, you know, taxing wise, like mentally, but it's interesting though, because there was a lot of blessings that COVID brought. I feel like, um, you know, as much as it was a, quite the burden, I think back, like, I feel like I was much more uh, precautious in ways that Um, I could blame on the pandemic, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as like, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, it was kind of nice to be able to have that safety net of like an excuse immediately to not do something. Um, people weren't questioning if I was pregnant or not because I didn't drink, you know, I just didn't have to talk about it. I didn't go to any hockey games. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what's really crazy. Right. I didn't go to one hockey game Mm -hmm. the entire year. Um, I just refused because I was scared. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to get sick. And not even just COVID. I just didn't want to get sick, right? Um, and so, you know, Scott won his six hundred thirty-one, like the most career-changing like game ever. You know, he'll never be able, he'll never break that record again. Mm-hmm. And I watched it from his office,
2: you yeah, know, cool. and
1: and I because I wasn't going to go out there.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's just funny, like thinking about the things we'll do to protect. Yeah. You know our kids, even from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But pregnancy after loss is sad. Yeah, a whirlwind. I'm sure it's so scary. And then the worst part is it doesn't get any better once they're here because then you're just scared all over again. And I that's know. what I laugh about because I'm like, you're just scared all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. i yeah. I'm even scared with. I'm even scared with Henry. Henry yeah. yeah,
1: because it's scary.
0: I've literally walked into his room. Some nights, and I'm like, "Are you still breathing?"
1: I do that all the time. I still do it. I have outlets on my kids forever, you know. And and you just battle and with your mind because it's so scary. I mean, I took Viv two weeks ago. I think she. I didn't even see it happen. She knocked her head somehow, and she was again. Scott's a hockey coach, so in my mind, a concussion is pretty like. You can see you know concussion symptoms and she was wobbly and she couldn't you know i freaked out oh because it was almost bedtime and i was like i cannot put her to bed yeah and sleep a wink tonight thinking about if she's yeah something's wrong i grabbed her all scott we do have hockey players over every week it was that night so we literally have assistant coach equipment manager three hockey players and the bus driver are all over and I'm like running out of the house with Vivian. I'm like, I already lost one child, I'm not losing another. Yeah. Just Scott thinks I'm being a little like, I didn't care. Yeah. Took her to the ER. They were very kind. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing. Wouldn't would somebody who hadn't lost a child freaked out like that? Maybe, maybe not. But I don't care. You can I'm, never
0: be too sure. I think <laughs> if
1: I'm you if know. I can prevent going through that again, I will. Right.
0: I saw a great um a great quote or or meme or another person that I follow or one of my Mm -hmm. friends that I follow on Instagram, um, I might butcher it, but, you know, more or less the quote was saying we are so often come to say that we would would die for our children or whatnot. And on the flip side of that, it said, why don't we do everything to live for our children? You know, so I think that just kind of goes along with what Mm -hmm. you're saying. You know as far as you trying to keep yourself safe and yeah
1: uh, so because and, and you think about that and i think of that often like the risks i was willing to take before yeah i had the twins versus after and i remember after kellen died another like you know as you talk about things things come up that you think about after he died um it was right after he died scott scott's grief you know he likes to go right back to work he needs to like mm-hmm. just go back to normal any any sense of normalcy for him was good
2: mm-hmm.
1: he had camp in minnesota and i've never gone to a camp like i don't care about camp and i had to go because i just i he was somebody that i needed mm-hmm. i needed him there with me i just could not be alone i was scared to be alone which is so weird for me like that is like any who knows who I am would be like, what? Yeah. Um, and I hated it. It was actually annoying to me that I need, but I couldn't help it. Um, and I went to, there's this like amusement park in Minnesota in the Minneapolis area. Is it Valley? Valley Fair. Valley Fair. Yep. All us Midwestern people know it. I did (laughs) not know it, but I know it now. So I went by myself and I, um, just wanted to feel alive because I felt so dead and I just wanted, I rode every scary ride by myself, like anything that would just feel and I just was dead. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the feeling of just wanting to like feel something. Mm -hmm. And it's just really like sad to think about, you know, and a year later and I wrote about it in my blog. I was pregnant with the twins and I didn't know it yet. But I know I knew a mental shift had occurred in me. And I was laying in bed, and all of a sudden I heard the central band because mm-hmm. I live next to the high school, pretty close,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was so loud. And I thought, what is going on? Like, why are they doing this? So I text Scott and I was like, why is the band playing on Friday morning? Like, mm-hmm. and he goes, they do it every Friday morning. Oh, yeah. And we had only lived in our houses just the second. Mm-hmm. I said, I've never heard this. And he was like, Tiffany, it happened every week last year from August to October, like, or whenever it ends, you know. Right. I hadn't heard it. You had just, like, blocked it out. Because I blocked out any sense of happiness. hmm and I thought this, I can hear happy again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, the level of depression I had been in mm-hmm. to not hear that. Yeah.
0: You know, I will, I'll be really real. Um, oh gosh. I'm trying to think of when we first had talked this summer. Yeah. Gosh, I mean. When was that? It was. It was probably like
1: within. It was quick. It
0: was like within a month.
1: Yeah, of, it was quick. You were I, still on maternity leave, and you were about to be going back to work.
0: Yeah, so it was probably like four to six weeks, maybe. Um, and I remember like sitting down and like because I think we sat there for like three hours. Yeah, we were there and for just a long talked. Time. And I just like remember. I think I was not like really numb at mm-hmm. that point, so I just remember like thinking like, what does she mean? Like, she felt, because you told me that story Mm -hmm. exactly. So I remember you being like, I knew that's when I felt happy. And like, I don't, I don't know if I've had that aha moment yet. I think everybody's experience is different, but
1: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, just going through the months, I guess
1: it's, it's It's weird how it evolves. It's weird. It's so weird. And like I said about not knowing when you'd feel okay. And I don't know how you felt in that moment of like, just wanting to know, okay, when am I just going to feel happy? When am I just going to feel not jealous? When am I just right. going to feel less scared? When am I going to, you know, and mm-hmm. that's where I was. But again, y- you can hear all of these things, but you just have to go through them. Yeah, And I remember, it's interesting.
0: I remember wondering that, and I think um, my husband had lost his dad when he was in high school, when he was 17. And so he'll even tell you it's completely different. Like, yes, loss is loss, but each loss is so different. Um, so I remember kind of asking him that, or I think I said something, maybe even before we had Gus and we had kind of, we knew this could be a potential. And, you know, Lance was more or less like, it
1: will never be okay. You know? So. Well, and I think it's interesting that you brought up the loss of his dad because I go back to one of the things I think is really important, and it's, it sucks when you lose a child, is the stigma is that this is the worst loss that you will ever right. experience ever. Right. The loss of a child is the worst, worst loss that you will ever experience ever. So now you and I have both experienced the worst loss that will ever happen to us ever well, Right. that's what the world thinks. Right. So now we never get to experience any other thing we ever yeah. go through right. is never that bad. So we, it, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I can't even fathom losing my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't even fathom losing my best friend. I can't even fathom losing the people I love in my life, my husband, my, like losing my dog was literally one of the most, I can't even yeah. look at pictures of Sophie, like her death anniversary. Like I was telling you, yeah. her death anniversary is coming up and like, I can't even go there yeah and it's like but we've already li- you know and it's right. like it's i think society <laughs> it
0: says sucks. it's the worst because it's and this is the best way i can think of it i think society puts that verbiage on it because it's not the natural order of things right like okay we can all say like you're not supposed to lose your child right Correct. Absolutely. like you know we can sit here all day long and be like yeah, it really sucked that Lance lost his dad when he was 17, but you know, it it was his dad. It, you know, literally, I think I've heard people say, like, well, he would have lost him Of okay, well that those words don't make it any better. You it's know
1: like, and all the time you lose. And that's what's funny, is like even with COVID, when people would say people were so insensitive about things at times, and they would say, you know, it's it's older people that are and I'm like, Do you understand when my dog died? If I could have paid any amount of money to make her better for a week mm-hmm. to get more time with her, I would have. So like you're telling these people, right. I'm really sorry that your elderly father is in the hospital, but he would have died anyways in the yeah. next year or so. Like what? Yeah. It's like cancer or anything that takes somebody away tragically. Like any amount of time you can get with that person or whoever is bringing you love and joy. Right. You want it. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's just I think losing Helen definitely has made me so much more um, just genuinely soft towards people and their grief and how they love and how they lose Mm -hmm. and accepting of their grief and also recognizing that grief is for everything. That's one thing that I feel like I've really learned. You know, we grieve the loss of a job. We grieve marriage loss. Mm -hmm. We grieve friendship loss. We grieve all of these things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all deserve grief right in the process and when you acknowledge it and that you're going through grief, it actually helps you grieve it better, right
0: You have to sit with it, I think that's one of the best terms i guess that i've I've heard is you know' br- invite grief in, sit with her because.
1: Your new best friend. Well, and they say grief is the price we pay for love. Yeah. Yeah. To have loved is to grieve. Mm -hmm. And I think that's remarkable. But it also for people who are going through it, it does make it scary to take those steps to have another child. Or and they say, you know, that's one thing that will cause marriages to end a lot of times, you know, if if the two people don't necessarily agree on their next paths. Right. You know, and that's Scott and I were really fortunate. Mm -hmm. You know, we agreed on what we wanted but not everybody feels that way right and not everybody can survive it and that's where I get so mad too again legislation not to go back but like in South Dakota the year after I lost Kellen so in 2020 a legislator wanted to bring um something up where he was going to take uh what what is the term in order like everybody uses when they get divorced Irreconcilable differences. Oh, sure. You know, that's the traditional when somebody ends a marriage, a lot of times they'll file for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wanted to remove that as an option for divorce because he was trying to say like, oh, the more people who stay together and fight, that's too much of an easy out. Sure. And I said, do you ever not realize that that could exist? Right. So when you lose a child, the divorce rate goes from 50%, like you get increased double, right? So like they take that because it's really hard. And it's not saying like whether you go through what we went through or whether something your child dies from cancer or an accident or, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless, it's just statistics. I said, so now you're literally telling these people that they have to make it work when they've already been through what's arguably one of the most traumatic things that'll ever happen. So who are you to tell somebody that? So how fortunate are you to have never experienced something so traumatic that you cannot think about those people? Right. And he was blindsided. I mean, he was just like, oh. And, you know, another another legislator said, oh, well, that's really a dead in the water thing. Like, it's just more like somebody just wanted to bring it up. I said, yeah, but you know what? That's how bad things get passed. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure that I give people a voice that need it. Right. Because it's not fair that somebody doesn't think about us. You know, and I'm fortunate. I'm really fortunate. Scott and I were able to get counseling. We found a great counselor. We had great resources for that. And I'm forever thankful, but not everybody has that. Right. Not everybody has the courage to go and get, I mean, I had no courage at all with that. You know, I was pretty much walked into counseling. I probably wouldn't have done it, but not everybody can be vocal and talk and fight for themselves. Right. Right. You know, we're both really lucky that we're able to use our voices and talk. Yeah. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. Which is probably why I didn't really understand nor take it seriously. I, yeah,
0: I will, I will honestly say I didn't, I will honestly say I thought
1: it would never happen to me. Same. I literally thought to myself, and I'm not kidding. I will say the exact words. I thought somebody had ha- had, lost a child and it posted about it on Facebook. And I thought, man, cause I didn't plan to have any other kids. Right. Kellen mm-hmm. was it, mm-hmm. which is very ironic now that I have twins, <laughs> but I remember thinking, man, I will never experience miscarriage or any of this. Like how weird is that? I thought that while I was pregnant with Kellen. Yeah. yeah. Because I was so far along that it wasn't even a thing to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had already went through all of his, you know, screening. Like he was perfectly normal. I have no explanation. There was no cord wrapped around his neck. And, you know, in the birthing process, I will never forget her telling me, actually, it wasn't my normal doctor or any doctor – like, it was a traveling doctor because it was a holiday, which actually turns out in my mind pretty good. Like, I didn't need a doctor that I see on a regular basis to give – To get have, through this, yeah. yeah. And so um, I remember her telling me specifically that there wasn't going to be any miracles. You know, like, he was gone, so not to expect him crying. Like, mm-hmm. that sucked. Mm. Um, but I just think that, like, in all of that process, we just don't know. Right. I I've never been through that and you just yeah it'll
0: the oblivious joy
1: that's what and that's where I was saying like you'll never have that again yeah yeah I'm glad you got to have that though with Henry right how great right and that's what sucks and I will be absolutely shocked if you do have it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I can't wait, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you go through that process and you do have another child, I can't wait to hear. I'll be
0: terrified the whole time though.
1: I know and I have a good friend who has who lost her daughter, you know, we connected. Her daughter was actually due on Kellen's birthday. She had her um a valve closed early or something. Mm-hmm her daughter passed away Mm -hmm. three days, I believe, after two or three days after she had her. Um, And they've had five losses since. Mm. Oh my gosh. And she doesn't give up, you know, and I just am amazed at her dedication to, you know, she wants to have a child and you hear those stories and people who have lost and like, it just kills you because we just don't, which is so uncomfortable. Right. And the shame and the distrust of your body and just all of it, right? Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of it is so hard. Yeah. And- I remember
0: uh, an MFM that I had um, was, I think it was the first time I was in the hospital. He was very, very, um, really stressed the fact that this is genetic it's not this didn't happen because you had a, a sip of alcohol when you were mm-hmm. 3 weeks pregnant and didn't know it it's not because you you know took a medication that you weren't supposed to or it's none of none of that it's purely genetics and i know we've talked about this before too like whether you know the reason of why your child passed away or mm-hmm. not I don't – I don't know if it makes it easier or harder. I mean –
1: I think that had I known anything, if it was genetic or medical, it might have helped me if we could know that we could prevent it. Right. Um, I don't know though because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. But the psychoticness of me thinking about all the things that could have caused it was not great, especially the level of stupidity. Like I got my nails done – and I remember being like, or like the field that we were in, like, you know, maternity photos, like, did I get a tick or like, right. which is just absurd. Right. But you just can't right. help it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so all those things that play in your head over and over and over play in your head <clears throat> in your next pregnancy, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking like, what did I do? What can I not do? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. The fetal monitor was huge for me, you know, just constantly. And with the twins figuring out who was who and, like, mm-hmm. I was crazy. I was crazy. And I didn't care. I just was so scared. Yeah. And you have every right to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's okay to what? – what is normal? <laughs> I don't think there is normal anymore. No. No. You're just doing the best you can. Yeah. And that's really all it is. And I think, though, moving forward, so Kellen, you know, was born in 2019. He would have been four this year, which is crazy. We celebrate his birthday every year. We make sure he has a cake. We, you know, now we have our twins and we give them gifts. Yeah. And it's kind of like our Christmas. I'm not a huge fan of Christmas. I never have been. Um, I just love giving gifts every day. It doesn't need to be Christmas. (laughs) And so – um. I just really think that like you have to do whatever gets you through the time, but people forget, you know, and even if they say they're not going to forget it, people move on with their lives. And right. I wrote about that in my blog, like the whole world was moving and I just wanted to stand in the grocery store and scream and be like, stop, like, just mm-hmm. give me a
2: minute.
1: Mm-hmm. Can Because I didn't want the world to just keep going. Like I needed everybody to just stop for a minute so I could just sit here and just be sad and miserable. And like it just felt like everything was going so fast. But then it also felt like everything was going so slow. I know. I know. And I just wanted time to go because I just wanted to be done being miserable. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm four years in, you know – I have these twins and they're lovely and incredible and horrible all the same time. Right. They're just the best and the worst. And I love them to death, but I also can't help but scream at them. Right. You know, just just mom, mom life. And, um, I think that it was Kellen's joke on me, you know, giving me both of them so I couldn't spend as much time missing him. Yeah. yeah. I'm so busy all the time with them. And I laugh thinking, my God, if I had three, can I even imagine like,
2: can Mm -hmm. even imagine Mm -hmm.
1: and so um you know you you can't help but grieve though still yeah and people don't really give you that Mm -hmm. anymore you know you're still in a very early stage of your grief process in my opinion right right And I think it's great how far you've come and that you're doing this and you know it's so special that you get to but as you go on it seems like and it could not be real. You know, it could be in my head that people just kind of expect that you're I over think, it. Yeah,
0: they, they do. They do. You know, and,
1: and I lost Callan four years ago and he'd be four and I have these twins and they think, oh, she had, she got double the blessings Yeah, and her life is great. And they're, she had a boy and a girl and who would want more than that? And it's- I would- give anything to have not experienced right. what I went through. It's not like your shirt that you
0: bought at Target that now has a hole in it. And if you just get a return that it replaces it and makes it okay.
1: No. And I, I do think that that people really in their mind yeah. make it. And again, I think that's part of the stigma of like, this is uncomfortable that right. this happened. So now this great thing happened. Yeah. So this negates this. So we're just going to focus on this. Right. And it's not the way it is.
0: I literally appreciated all of the meals and donations and and whatnot um, after we lost Gus as far as, um, you know, whatever. When people would drop meals off at our house and it it's kind of just funny when you're like numb. I just remember like that numbness that you're describing mm-hmm. and – kind of like being so aware of what people are actually saying to you. And I mean, I know it comes from the best place, but I sometimes I would literally be like, We talked about that when really? I dropped off your food. Yeah. No, I no, and that's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> I literally remember you being like, you were just really real. I just remember you standing there. I, I remember scaring you first of yeah. all. And then um, you were, I think we kind of just stood there in some silence for a little bit. And you were like, there's literally nothing I can say to you that makes and I, I kind of just I really love just the honesty of it. There was like, nothing. And no. I
1: actually hate that when people just try. They try so hard. Yeah. And I remember after I lost Calendar saying, There's really nothing. No. Like just don't worry about it. Yeah. I just don't worry about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some of the worst things that were said to me, which people probably will never remember, is that there must be something in the water. Oh mm-hmm. my because goodness. Because somebody had also had a stillborn. Um, earlier that year so literally somebody said that and I was like oof like but again they're so comical like it's like such a bad thing to say that you almost have to laugh about it Mm because what else are you gonna do right um somebody said that they wish their kid would go play in the street what yeah because their kid was like annoying them like go play in the street like they were joking that's probably something I would have said back in the day not thinking and I just I mean I probably wouldn't have I don't know but I just remember being like Wow, like and you know you hate hearing like it's okay, you're so young, yeah. you can try again, oh, can I like thank you so much yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay, you know, and it's they're just trying so hard to think of something to say
0: mm-hmm. i've I've actually unfortunately um known to. Um, families who have experienced losses from their children, unfortunately. And, um, you know, some that I've grown quite close to, and my messages to them are, I know you're being flooded with messages Mm -hmm. currently, so don't respond. But, you know, it's something along the lines of literally, like, everybody always says, just let me, let me know whatever you need. Well, I just remember I didn't even know what I needed until that moment. So,
1: I you mean – still don't know.
0: Literally the
1: – Yeah, until the exact moment you need it is when right. you know. Yeah, that's what you're – yeah.
0: I would call her a friend now. And, I mean, I literally remember texting her, like, if – because I am remember that postpartum period mm-hmm. again, and you don't have your baby at home. So, I just – I literally remember telling her, like, if you need help taking a shower, I'm your girl.
1: <laughs> I'm there. Yep. Like – Well, and that's why, you know, when we met, I remember how crucial it was for me to sit down with Marnie. Yeah. I didn't want to talk to anybody else. I wanted to talk to somebody who had experienced a loss. Yeah. Yeah. So that I could ask them inappropriate questions or whatever I felt like I needed to know. I don't want to talk to anybody else. And so I just remember thinking like, and again, if you wouldn't have met with me, it wouldn't have hurt my feelings at all. Right. I just wanted to make sure, and anybody who experiences a loss- I'll sit down and I even said, anytime I find out somebody is going through what I went through or something similar, if they if they need me to come to the hospital and sit with them, yeah. I will. Because if I ha- would have had somebody that had went through what I went through telling me, okay, Tiff, like you really, this is what I regret. Right. Right. Like rub the lotion on your child and then rub yeah. it on yourself so that you, that smell reminds you of them. Yeah. You know, those kind of things that I didn't know, you just don't know. Right. And Mm -hmm. the only other person who knows it is somebody who's gone through it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that those things, and that's why it's so important for us to talk about it. Right. Because maybe somebody will hear and then know some, you know, and and that's why my blog was so important to me so that I could help people understand where I was mentally. And then if somebody else goes through it, they can know. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's fun not to read back, where I was. I was going to say like where you were, yeah. And and understand where I was and how far I've come and um it's just weird. Yeah. Grief is weird. Grief is weird. <laughs> Some of the stages I say, you know, because there's stages of grief and I think it's dumb. I read somewhere the stages of grief were actually made for the person dying. Yeah. Right? Because you go through the stages, you know, denial, and then, you know, you go through those. Right. But for the people that are left behind, right, we hop through the stages of grief.
0: Well, and I – so I went to counseling, like, right away after losing cuss. And I remember my counselor handing me a sheet of, like, it had the stages of grief in a circle. And literally there was, like, a line from stage one, but then it was just, like, a a jumbled up mess. She's like, there is – this is not – linear like it's not a line and you're not you don't graduate from from these stages like these will be here forever and they'll feel like a jumbled up mess
1: and i also think you don't have to go through like i never went through denial mm-hmm. right which yeah. i think you probably did yeah for sure you know and i never got the opportunity to go through denial right. because it was just this is what happened yeah yeah and i never in my mind was like this didn't happen like right
0: I denied that. I I think I mentioned that to my friend earlier today who I was visiting with. I was kind of like in denial that this could be our outcome,
1: mm-hmm. you know. And I never, I I just never did go through that stage. Yeah. But then I also feel like jealousy should be a stage of grief. Yeah. I think it's a stage of grief that it should be on there. I think that you're jealous um, in a way that you never have been jealous. Mm-hmm. Ever. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to, to handle, especially if you're not someone who has experienced that emotion on a deep level before. Right. Um, fear also, you know, the fear that comes with grief is so much different than fear that comes without it. Oh yeah. The things you're fearful of. I was so obsessive Mm -hmm. over my parents and, like, my husband and just anybody who mattered to me, like, knowing where they were, what they were doing, like, if they were safe, like, I was so fearful. I did not want to lose any Another person. And the lack, um, the the obsession over control, you know, like, I wanted to control what I could control because I had zero control over anything the second I found out that Kellen had
2: died. I know.
1: You know, I lost the ability to control anything. So that crab for just power. One thing my counselor had told me, um, I was, and it's funny now, like all the things I do, she was like, are you just like doing everything you can to fill your day so packed that like you can't think about the loss of your son? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. But the other revolution for me, I guess, was – and I think this will be something I use in my life, and I do it all the time to people. I say it to them like, it's a lot easier to be angry than it is to be sad. Being mm-hmm. sad sucks. Crying sucks. You know, you get all stuffy and like, you know, it just mm-hmm. sucks. Being Ugly sad cry. sucks. Being hurt sucks. So, a lot of the times when we react in an angry way, it's really because we're hurt mm-hmm. and we're sad. And it's just so much easier to immediately get mad. Right. And be angry. And so if you just like take a step back and reflect, like, am I really mad or am I just like hurt mm-hmm. and devastated and sad?
2: Yeah.
1: And I would say nine times out of 10, I'm sad. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me just in life in general. Like anytime I get mad, at even Scott or like I'm mad at my mom, like anybody, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not really mad usually. Right. And so that was a huge thing for me, realizing that my reaction was based off of sadness. Right. And and realizing that in other people was huge, too. Like, did I hurt them? Right. Are they not mad at me? They're actually just really – my actions hurt them, and I need to just apologize and, like – And then let's – Let them be sad and upset and devastated at Mm -hmm. whatever action I – you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that accountability and, like, really thinking about that has been – huge for me I'd still give up all my reflection and all the great things I've done to not have experienced it and that's another thing I like to point out because people will say like oh but look at all this great you've done and the changes you've made and like the purpose you've given and like yes but also I would actually like erase all of this if I could just not have it happen right there's never a moment in my life where I'm like I'm glad that happened yeah and I think that's something that people like don't realize yeah like, they think because we've created these great things and are, you know, I have these Because of and our kids. Yeah. Yes. That there was purpose. And, oh, another thing I don't say is everything happens for a reason. I was just
0: going to say that, actually. I don't like that term.
1: I say we give bad things that happen purpose. Yes. We create purpose out of bad situations, but everything does not happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. You will never convince me that my son died right. for a reason. Yeah. My it's, counselor
0: actually said that too. It's she the worst. She said sometimes I think I and I mean she was very open to like us having varying, differing views, and it was she didn't say it in a negative way at all. But you know she was more or less like I I think just sometimes bad things happen for no reason at all. Bad things you know? do
1: happen. Yeah, and bad things happen to good people, mm-hmm. and good things happen to bad people, and things yeah. just happen. Yep. It's just a weird world, a weird life. And you just, every day is, you got to take it. Yep. Got to grind through it. It is a grind. Mm -hmm. But I think it's awesome that you're working through your grief. And Mm -hmm. this podcast is so great. And people get to hear it and experience it. And like I said, nobody loses a child in the same way. you know, that I've, I've talked to, I still haven't, you know, maybe somebody listening has lost a child in the way I did and, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, we can connect, but otherwise I've, I've never met someone um, like me, which shows that we're all so different Yeah, and we're all just trying to. I think my
0: favorite term, um, I felt like an infant infant uh, loss or pregnancy and infant loss group on social media and I think one of the best I don't know if I want to call it a quote but best terms um, of still children that have been born stillborn is they were stillborn but they were still born yeah like that just it kind of it honestly repeats in my head quite a bit it's true even not experiencing you know Gus being stillborn it's it's just so cool
1: I guess I agree. And and I think it's important to – I had no idea. I had no idea. And you know what's crazy is I think at least two, maybe three people that I know um, personally, like I don't know them super well, obviously, uh, or I would have known, but had experienced having stillborns. Mm-hmm. And I'm not close enough with them I, as in like where I didn't reach out and say like what happened after the fact. Right. But like um, – I had no idea that it was yeah. as traumatizing as what it is. And I again where I just say, like, I'm so like mind blown and annoyed with myself that I ever was just like, oh, that sucks. Like, oh no, it's like a way worse than oh that yeah. sucks. Like getting a speeding ticket sucks, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Stubbing your dough sucks.
0: Like, but once again, we don't know what we don't know, you know. It's so much worse than sucks. I went through uh, bereavement training um, to try to accelerate her. You know, I, I don't know. I think a part of me just feels like my duty as a nurse practitioner to like, I, I just want to do more. And, um, I took a bereavement training, not once again, everybody's experience is different. So I can't say I'm the understander of all losses because of my one. So I went through a training and, um, In this training, they give examples of, you know, women like 30, 40 years ago or way before, you know, this time Mm -hmm. where we're becoming more open about it. Um, They give one example of a a, a woman, I don't know if her, she had an infant loss or stillborn baby, but um, she literally, there were complications um, on her end of things and ended up slipping into a coma or, or something. And um, her baby passed away. And in those times, they just um, would literally take the kid. They, her husband. It was just her baby and her husband. And her husband had to go bury this this child on his own. They didn't take any photos, I, that's because I've 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 heard this too. It was so frowned upon, and so there are no photos of her baby. She didn't. She woke up from her coma. And she was wondering what her baby looked like. Was my chills. was my baby even dressed in anything? You know, and it literally the thought
1: back then was it would cause more trauma pain. Yeah. They literally would just take the child away, and that's because. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we planned Kellen's service, um, I had talked to the funeral planner. Mm -hmm. and nurse or funeral home nursing home funeral home about that and she had said that there was somebody who had came to them and had said you know I had this child like because there's certain information that like funeral homes have access to that like the general public doesn't right right and just had asked for help on like finding out what would have happened to her child like yeah and I just couldn't believe you know here I am sitting here like sad I didn't look up every piece of Kellen's body and like to think that it was ever thought that that was like gonna mm-hmm. help someone, yeah, like if we just pretend like this didn't happen, yeah, you know the nine months you carried that child definitely won't like screw with you at all, and like no closure is definitely better, like
0: yeah, it yeah, it just breaks my heart to like go through the rest of your life,
1: having no idea, yeah, and the access to not having. I mean, the mental health piece and just we're so fortunate of where we've gone and yet we're so still so far behind. And it's like, can you even think about experiencing this 20 years ago, even like with no access to podcasts and no access to Facebook? And like, I think of not having the ability to talk to other people. Yeah. You know, but then you also have the security of also not having to freaking talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that's the other thing, and like that's why I said to you, I didn't have a choice, mm-hmm. and I figured if people are going to talk about it, I might as well make it my story, and and have yeah. it told the way it happened.
0: That's yeah. I mean, I will. You know, we live in the same town, so you know, kind of feeling the same way. Of, I'm going to tell you my truth and in his truth as much as I can about it, rather than people saying
1: whatever. And, and,
0: and you can say, and I. You know, people can say whatever they want about it. That's fine. But I I will also not stay silent about it. The reality
1: it. is out there of yes. what happened. So yeah. if you say something besides this, then you're just
0: yes. making something up. Exactly. You know,
1: and, and that's what I think is nice about being able to tell your own truth and, and what happened and having the courage to say it out loud as, as you mm-hmm. do control the narrative Yeah. and what happened. And it's nice. and But it is hard to constantly and I remember in my blog I talked about when you live in a small town it's hard because you go to the grocery store at a Target and you think everyone's staring at me they all know but then you're like do they know like you don't know right you don't know who knows and so yeah it's interesting to go through that you know do they know do they not know I remember I had to go buy a manual breast pump oh. at Target that sucked that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah. I did do a pickup, but I still had to go in and get it. You yeah. Know, that was before the, the, the drive up, up days. <laughs> that sucked. You know, it just sucked. There was not one positive experience. Yeah. There just isn't. And even if there was, you know, oh, I'm glad I met, I could go without them. I could go without knowing you in this way. Yeah. I could. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, and that's what's so dumb yeah. about it is it's like, oh, I have all these, I could go without all yeah. of it. Yep. Yeah. And, and so yes, I will tell all these great things that have come from my bad experience because I have forced them to happen. <laughs> Even if none of them occurred, my life would be fine. Yeah. It would be fine. It would it would go, it would go on somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it would be fine to have not lost Galen. Yeah, That would have been great. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's um, just ever changing, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, the hope for the future is to hopefully continue to move forward and it's obviously not the most pleasant topic of conversation I mean I've I've literally I think had to stop myself in like parties and I shouldn't say parties but you know when I'm maybe in a more social funner setting literally kind of had to stop myself of being like
1: oh yeah and my my son that's dead you know well and that's the other thing it's so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and I remember that's a whole conversation I had with my counselor Mm-hmm. How do I tell people? Like, what is my? She's like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I literally because in my job, and you know, you have a very yeah intense job where you people, see people. People knew we
0: were <laughs> pregnant, right? Like,
1: and so I remember um one person, I acted like Helen was alive because it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, how's being a new mom? And you know, and I was just like, it's fine. You know, like. Oh. Um. Sometimes you. I mean, the majority of the time, I said, you know, we lost him. And that mm-hmm. sucked. And honestly, the worst part is how devastated they are. Yes. Because then they're so embarrassed, and, and then so you mortified. feel bad for making them feel bad, and it's so horrible. Yeah. And then you know, um, now that I have another child, you know, and people are like, "How many children do you have?" And you know, I have two, and then I have one in heaven, and then mm-hmm. it's just, does it doesn't go from there? And it's just. Yeah, The majority of our lives is making other people uncomfortable now Yeah, in regards to our children. And that sucks, but it shouldn't be uncomfortable. But I also think too, like I thought about this. There's no, like with cancer, you know, you always have the hope to cure cancer. Right. With everything you have the hope. There's no hope to end stillbirth. Yeah. If there was a way to end stillbirth, they would have done it. Right. You know, there's no way you're ever going to stop. Right. Especially like with me, they have no idea what happened. There right. was no way that we could have medically prevented Kellen from dying. Right. I don't – I mean, you can rock your brain a million times. So once again, if we're
0: not going to change it – and I, I've heard <laughs> a lot of great OBs that I'm close to, OBs, MFMs, you know, um, you know a lot of times they will say really anything – that they could have done for the most part, you know, it, it wouldn't have changed the outcome, you know. Um, I know that's not for every case, but um, so once again, if it's can't really change anything, you know, it's not like cancer that we can cure like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Why are we so secretive about it? And that's but, where
1: I'm like the only yeah. thing we can change is the conversation. It's how we handle it. And and that's what my whole crusade on Kellen's like, my horrific experience, which is what I'll say it was. It was traumatizing, it was horrific. And there was a lot of things that could have been de- done better yeah. to yeah. make it less terrible. Right. And so my the only way I can make this horrible thing better for other people is to talk about it. Right. And to talk about how we can be better as humans mm-hmm. in general, from the medical side, from the caretakers, from the afterlife you know, people walking and what do they say and what do they do? And the only way we can do that is by having these open conversations mm-hmm. about the crappy things that happen to us. And yeah. we're all different. Like, it's funny because you talked about the meal train and like how thankful you were for it. And like, I didn't want any of it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when we had the twins, meal train, sorry. Right. right. After Kellen died, I didn't want any of it. I do not want to talk to anybody. Yeah. I didn't want to see anybody because I felt obligated to talk. Yeah. Yeah, And I felt obligated to invite them in my home and like, yeah, I just didn't want any of it. I did not want to talk to anybody.
0: Yeah.
1: And it I was, think, I think that's okay. You know, I, mm-hmm. and everybody's yeah. different was right. my, yeah, like it's, right. and you need to do what you need to do. Right.
0: Kind of, you know, I think how we said earlier too, like some, I think everybody finds their voice a little differently, you know, like some people might think it's crazy of creating a podcast, you know, right. and, and talking about it and. Um, to me, that might be too big of a voice for them, but even them finding their voice might be telling their closest friend that they miscarried and maybe their friend didn't even know. Yep. you know, so I think our finding our voices is different for everybody,
1: well, I think like holding babies, for example, my friend that lost her daughter within weeks, you know of mm-hmm. me. She wanted to hold babies and like, yeah. and I literally, and I wrote it in my podcast. I'm not holding another baby until I hold my own baby. Yeah. Like, I never want to hold another baby. Like, I didn't want to be around babies. And for me, being around males was more triggering, triggering than females. Right? Like, mm-hmm. the first baby shower I went to was literally, I cried the entire way there. I cried in the lobby. I cried mm-hmm. like it was miserable. But everybody experiences things right differently. But what's so cool about finding people that have gone through what you went through. Like my friend had to go to a baby shower, um, for a relative of hers. And she was like, would you care to go with me? Yeah. And I went
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and you know, it's, that's the thing that you, you, know, to find the people in your life that can understand and be there and you're safe people, I call them. Right. And I think I said that to you. Like, yeah. I I'm, I'm hope you know I can be a safe person for you. Yeah, yeah. To say those horrible things because there are some horrible things yeah. that's been through your head. Yeah, And to sure. be able to know that there are safe people out there. And yeah. I say that to, even if somebody's listening and you need a safe person, like, find me. Yeah. You know, I'll be a safe person. I don't need to know you to know that you're devastated and going through something. Right. You know, safe people are so important because you might say some really, inappropriate things that inappropriate yeah. and i put that in quotes is in like right. the average human would think you're crazy or maybe you don't even mean them but right. in that moment you meant them right right you know and you need safe people to be able to say those things right. to, just blurt it out and yeah. no you're not going to be judged right i got no judgment yeah
0: <laughs> i always joke <laughs> that my you know? uh that my trauma years i'm i'm 31 currently so i always joke that my trauma years i'm like age 65, (laughs) trauma years. (laughs) So, It's just a
1: wild ride. Yeah. But anything else that you want to add? You know, I think that um, both of us in our losses uh, found, you know, I did random acts of kindness for Kellen. Um, I still do them and I love them. And um, working towards a foundation, the twins have kind of, put a little bit of a wrench in getting it done as quickly as I um, had intended. But my big piece is creating kindness Mm because just like I said in the beginning um, of the podcast, it's really important for me to really, really give the impression of what kindness means. You just never know what someone's going through, Mm -hmm. you know. And so the kindness that you can give, like just be kind to people. You just never know. Um, And that creating that was huge for me. And doing Random Acts of Kindness in this podcast has been huge for you. And so to anyone who is listening who's experiencing the loss or has or knows someone, I encourage you. It doesn't have to be as public as what you and I have done. Yeah. But find something um, to give your person that you've lost purpose to you even. It doesn't have to be something that is huge. Right. But um, I encourage people to do that. Because I do feel like in that grief process, to to channel your grief towards something that you feel yeah. gives your situation more purpose makes it a little bit right. It's kind of celebrating, easier, that. but but yeah, it just it it helps the time pass. Yeah, that's yeah. you know it helps the time pass, and sometimes that's hard yeah. to to make happen when you're really stuck in grief.
0: I think it's kind of I like to think of it as it's kind of what I get to do to raise him. Mm-hmm. you know without being able to physically do it and and like you said it doesn't need to be as you don't have to make a podcast and and it doesn't need to be anything huge
1: It doesn't have to be anything but outside it can of your be whatever you mind, want even. Yeah. but yeah. whatever you need to do you know there's a book. It's a diary. And I think I had told you about it. The Sweet Julian. Um, Yeah. And there's a a journal that's good for pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of things that I found was really hard for me because they were for people who lost children that had already lived or um, they'd experienced life with. But this was more for people who had lost before the child was born. Mm -hmm. Um, And it talks about, you know, you write journal entries to your child that you lost. And it was really helpful for me. Just anything that can help you um create purpose or or give no yeah. thought to to the person something the other than pretending that it didn't happen just
0: <laughs> like we talked about. That actually is
1: the worst thing I think yeah. that you could
0: do. The complete worst thing to do, you know.
1: <laughs> don't do that.
0: 30, you know, in the forties, fifties, whenever, and prior probably. So just don't do that. <laughs> just don't, just don't ignore it. It
1: will still be there.
0: <laughs> yes. It doesn't so go away. Not going away. So yeah. Well, I thank you very much for coming on yeah, and you. sharing your experience and thoughts and all the things. I feel like conversation just flowed really easily, so always. I apologize if you have to listen to this in about 6 segments because it's so long, but it's so easy to to talk to you and it just flows. So, thank you for tuning into another episode of Giving for Gus. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, don't forget to head over to our Instagram and Facebook page for further updates and news. If you would ever like to be on the podcast or if you have any other suggestions on what you would like to hear on the podcast, don't forget to shoot us a message on either our Instagram or Facebook page.